Well, good morning. My name is Dwayne. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. Today is July the 22nd. God bless you guys. Uh, we're going to continue our study today through the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 13. Uh, yesterday was when I introduced uh, the chapter. Um, we looked at a few things um, before we got into it, what I called the introduction. I believe that Acts 13 is is, I guess you call it uh, the pivot point. I believe it is, it is where the gospel of grace was preached for the first time. Um, though admittedly, I am still working my way through this. And of course, you're coming along with me. <laughs> and I appreciate that. But Acts 13 gets interesting because for most, if not all, um, it is the beginning of the gospel as preached by the Apostle Paul. Um, and it becomes increasingly obvious as we get down into uh, verses 38 and 39, uh, when he says, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him, listen, all, that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. So uh, to me and uh, in my studies and looking at other mid-Acts guys, this is definitely uh, the pivot point. Um, now, if you were to ask me, like I mentioned the other day, when did the church, the body of Christ begin? You know, if you'd have asked me that a year or so ago, I would have said, well, Acts chapter number two. And now I would answer that question with the conversion of Paul. Uh, and then, of course, oh, I know that from 1 Timothy 1.15. Uh, 1 uh, uh, Timothy 1.15, he said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief, howbeit for this cause, I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them that should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. So when did the church begin? <clears throat> when did the body of Christ begin? At the conversion of Paul. Now there is, and I mentioned this the other day, there's disagreement as to which conversion Paul's talking about there. Uh, some will say that there was only one conversion, and that was on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter number 9. And that is when the dispensation of grace began. It began with Paul. Others will say no. You know, in Acts chapter number 9, uh, Paul only knew the kingdom gospel. He was only responding to what he had heard. And obviously by this time, he still had not heard the grace gospel. <clears throat> so there was two conversions. There was the kingdom conversion in Acts 9. <clears throat> and then there was the grace conversion in 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 16. Now, personally, and I mentioned this, <clears throat> I have the right to change my mind. <laughs> after further study. But at this point, I believe that Paul experienced two conversions, a kingdom and a grace. Um, but 
you know, I mean, as I continue to study the Word of God, as you continue to study the Word of God, uh, certainly um, that can change. But I have read very convincing arguments on both sides that seem to make sense to me. I guess the important thing to remember is that it, it happened. Uh, and, you know, so, you know, I, we'll just continue to study the Word of God together and see. Now, in chapter number 13, uh, verse number 1, Now there were at the church that was at Antioch certain prophets, teachers, um, Barnabas, Simeon, that was called Niger, Lucius, Serene, Manain, which had been brought up, Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, and the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas, and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. And of course, we know this is when Paul and Barnabas began <clears throat> their first missionary journey. And so they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed out of Seleucia and from thence sailed to Cyprus. And when they were in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they also had John to their minister. Now, again, some will question, well, was what, what gospel was Paul preaching here? Um, well, I can't emphatically say because we haven't reached um, the end of the chapter yet when we do get down into verses 38 and 39. Uh, but obviously there is some type of transition going on here. Now, <clears throat> notice that John, this is John Mark, was with them. John Mark, um, we're going to see in the next couple of verses, uh, he's going to actually leave them, and that's going to get a little interesting um, and in future uh, but it's going to create a schism, if you will, between Paul and Barnabas. And then it's going to turn into Paul and Silas and Barnabas and Mark, John Mark. So, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Now, notice in verse number six, And when they had gone through the Isle of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name is Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. Now, here we have a Jew by the name of Bar-Jesus, um, and we have a Gentile by the name of Sergius Paulus. Now, I believe, and, and, and we'll, we'll get into this, but because in the very... Um, Next verses, look, but Elymas the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, that is speaking of Bar-Jesus up here, the Jew, whose name is Elymas uh, by interpretation, withstood them seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Um, so they run upon this Jewish prophet um, who apparently withstood Paul and Barnabas and actively tried to turn this Gentile away from the faith. And then in verse number nine, then Saul, who is called Paul, now that's the very first time we see that, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes upon him. So from this point forward, Paul is never called Saul again, except in reference to his old life. 
Um, to me, this is proof. I believe that Paul had already received the revelation of the mystery because he's now going from his Hebrew name, his Jewish name, to his Gentile name. Uh, and again, Paul was uniquely qualified to be the apostle to the Gentiles in that he was both Jew and a Roman citizen, um, which none of the other apostles had. Paul could go places they could not. Paul could say things. He could do things that they could not. And he used that, his uh, Roman citizenship, on a few occasions. And again, his name Saul is used 26 times prior to this verse and 126 times after this verse. So again, strong indicator uh, that he had already received the revelation of the mystery by this time. And as I've said earlier, uh, sometime during that three years in Arabia or shortly thereafter, he received it. And then notice and said, O full of subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? Um, when we use the word subtle today, um, it means we're, being, we're not being very obvious, but the use of this word here means that this guy was using craft, he was using deceit, he was using guile. It's the same word that was used when speaking, when Jesus spoke to Nathaniel. He is accusing him of deception, dishonesty, perverting the ways of the Lord. Now notice in verse 11, And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed and was astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. A few things in this verse that I think are highly significant. Some, including myself, see this as a type of the transition that was taking place from the kingdom of kingdom gospel um, to the grace gospel, from the prophetic to the mystery. The kingdom gospel being Jewish or to the Jews only, the grace gospel being to um, the body of Christ, Jew and Gentile, the prophetic house of Israel, mystery, body of Christ. Um, in this case, Elimus uh, would be a type of unbelieving Israel who is now walking in temporary blindness because of their refusal to believe. And Sergius Paulus being a type of the Gentiles that can now clearly see. And we've discussed this and we've seen this. And Paul makes this a point of conversation over in Romans. How that the Jews are in temporary blindness and they're casting off but not forever has been to the benefit of us. Um, and of course, we also see here, and you can listen to yesterday's study if you really want to get into detail there. Um, but the Jewish people, the Jews, were some of Paul's worst enemies. They continued, they always hounded him. They always doubted his apostleship. Um, and they always sought to intercede uh, in Paul's ministry. Uh, and again, that was the story of Paul's ministry, was stood by the Jews practically at every turn. 
Um, so, you know, I think this is in type of what's going on here. The Jews is, Illumus is a type of the, Jew, the rejecting Jewish nation. Sergius Paulus is a type of the believing Gentiles. Uh, now, I'm drawn to the final phrase of this verse. Notice it says, Then the deputy, when he saw that what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Um, I found no commentator or teacher that would take this on. Um, this is the only place in the Bible where this phrase is used. Specifically, the doctrine of the Lord. And whatever the doctrine of the Lord is, it's what Paul used to convert Sergius Paulus. The only place, if you type in doctrine of the Lord in the Bible search engine, that these words come up, at least close to it, is 1 Timothy 6.3. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness in 1 Timothy 6.3. I believe that when it says the doctrine of the Lord, is it is a reference to the grace gospel, i.e. death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, and remember that the kingdom gospel is just Christ and Christ alone. The grace gospel is the cross. The kingdom gospel focuses on the fact that the Messiah had come. The grace gospel focuses on the fact that he had not only come, but he had been crucified and rose again. Um, and it's the cross. It's the preaching of the cross. And repeatedly throughout Paul's epistles, we see that he did not preach Christ only. He always preached the cross. Um, so to me, when it says the doctrine of the Lord, this is further proof that Sergius Paulus, this Gentile, was not merely becoming a proselyte to Judaism like Cornelius did in chapter number 10, but he has, he has now uh, been, uh, is now a member of the body of Christ and responded to the grace gospel. Now, notice in verse number 13, now when Paul and, and now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga, in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Um, this seemingly insignificant verse is going to end up causing massive problems between Paul and Barnabas. Because when we get over into Acts chapter number 15, we're going to see that they are going to have a disagreement that leads to them going their separate ways over John Mark. In Acts chapter 15, and, and some days after Paul sent unto Barnabas, let us again visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and how they do. And he's making a reference to what we're reading right now in Acts chapter number 13 as Paul, excuse me, Paul and, Paul and Barnabas go, go up into Asia Minor into these churches. Let us go back and visit these guys, which he preached the gospel to, the grace gospel to, and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them uh, John, whose surname is Mark. 
Now, I have read several commentaries that say that John Mark was actually Barnabas's nephew. Um, but Paul thought it not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. So this ended up causing a division, a schism, if you will, between Barnabas and Paul. Now, some will point to the fact that right after that happened, Barnabas disappeared from the scene, uh, never to be recorded <laughs> in scripture anymore. And will say uh, that was proof that he was in the wrong, Paul was in the right, he shouldn't have disagreed with Paul. But that's speculation. And I can tell you from experience that God does in his sovereignty allow disagreements and men to go separate ways to fulfill his will in both of their lives. So instead of just a one-man team with Paul and Barnabas, later we're going to see uh, two two two-man teams with Barnabas, with Paul and Silas and Barnabas and John Mark. So I'm not prepared to say that Barnabas was out of the will of God in contending with Saul over John Mark when we get into Acts 15, which was shortly after the Jerusalem Council. Um, and we are not sure why John Mark left and returned to Jerusalem. But whatever his reasons were, Paul was not happy with them. Um, most believe that he was just afraid. Um, he was young. He was just afraid. But again, we're getting off into speculation. We don't know. The scripture does not say why John Mark decided to go back home. Now, interestingly, in this verse in, in Acts 13, 13, it says, And when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Pergam Pamphylia. Paphos uh, was the capital of Syria. Uh, Perga was on the southern coast of modern-day Turkey, but all of that area is referred to as Asia Minor. Um, from what I can tell, all of the churches that Paul started was in this area, in this Asia Minor area. Um, the seven churches of Revelation um, in chapters 1 and 2, uh, Ephesus, uh, Smyrna, Laodicea, you know, uh, Thyatira, they're all in this area. Uh, they're all in Asia Minor. The, the church at Colossae, the church at Galatia, all of these are in this Asia Minor area. Um, so, uh, very important, and this is what Paul and Barnabas were able to accomplish on their first missionary journey. So, very interesting. Um, and tomorrow we'll get down into, into uh, verse number 14, uh, where we see them departing from Perga and coming into Antioch in Pisidia, which is not to be confused 
with the Antioch that they just came from. Uh, it's a different Antioch. And then we're going to see that they went to the synagogue and they sat down. And I'm going to take a look because previously I have made the comment that Gentiles were not in the synagogues. I'm, I'm going to have to go back on that. Gentiles were in the synagogues. Gentiles were allowed into the synagogues. Gentiles were not allowed in the temple. They could make it only as far as the court of the Gentiles. But as far as the synagogues were concerned, and we'll look at several proof texts, Gentiles were allowed into uh, the synagogues. And we're going to talk about that tomorrow. God bless you guys. I uh, hope you have a great day wherever God's got you, whatever God's doing with you. I pray that you're safe. And um, remember, he loves you, wants the best for you. He's working all things out for your good.